From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Governor Evers delivered his budget address late last week to rousing applause from fellow Democrats. He included a program that would provide driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants, a repeal of the lame duck laws the Republican-controlled legislature passed to weaken his powers, and automatic voter registration in Wisconsin. Republican legislative leaders immediately responded, indicating they'll ignore many of Evers' proposals and craft their own spending plan using the current fiscal year's base budget. What are the chances of that happening, and what would that look like? When you talk about going off the base budget, what they mean is they basically work off the current law. So every budget's a two-year budget. Use that second year of the budget. That's what they call your base. And so that's where you do your foundation for spending increases, decreases, whatever. What Republicans are talking about is using that second year of, of this current budget and working off of that, which means they'd be working off the plan that they put together, Republicans put together, with former Governor Scott Walker. It would look much different than what Tony Evers is proposing. The question people have is, you know, by doing that, you know, what would that look like? How much work are you going to put into it? Because, you know, the budget's a fairly large document. There are lots of agencies. Do lawmakers want to go through every single line of the smaller agencies and kind of figure out what those need? Or will they focus more on the big picture, you know, the things like taxes or Department of Natural Resources or agencies like those that, you know, are more high profile, that they would then remove all the Evers proposals from the budget and work off of what they have in place right now to build going forward. Evers' budget also included a gas tax increase by $0.08 cents a gallon in exchange for dropping the minimum markup law. But at least one Democratic leader is hesitant about supporting the plan. What has been the reaction to that proposal in particular, and is it going anywhere? Adding the repeal of minimum markup was kind of an interesting twist, and it looks like what Evers is trying to do is send a message to some Republicans who oppose a gas tax, like, hey, you know, here's something that we can work together on maybe, where you know, we get more revenue for roads, which you're not real happy about, but then we repeal this minimum markup, which you're seeking. The problem with it is that minimum markup cuts across party lines. So what minimum markup is it requires a certain markup from the cost of gas to ensure that people can't sell it below cost. Well, convenience stores are not real happy about the idea of repealing minimum markup. Um, there are people who have convenience stores in their backyards or in their districts who they hear from saying this is not a good idea, and it's not just Republicans. Is it going anywhere? Right now, probably not, um, unless there's some major movement. And the reason I say that is because the people who most want minimum markup to go away, um, certain wings of the Republican Party are also the ones most opposed to raising the gas tax. And I just don't get the impression just yet. I mean, just yet, maybe maybe in weeks to come it'll change, but right now I don't get the impression that this one proposal is enough to pull those lawmakers off their anti-gas tax increase stance. What are the next steps in the process, and do you think Evers will ultimately veto the entire budget? Essentially what's going to happen now is the, the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, which is the nonpartisan budget arm of the legislature will take the governor's budget and will break it down line by line, uh, do its own cost estimates, what the impact is, present that to the legislature. Uh, the Joint Finance Committee will hold public hearings on the budget uh, to take testimony. They call it the road show where they go out around the state. And then the committee will start voting sometime in the spring, uh, maybe April or May, and just go it agency by agency and start reworking it. 
Then the question becomes, what will their proposal look like? Um, when will they pass it? And what will Evers do with it? But as far as a full veto, I've gone to do some research. That has not happened since at least 1931. I have asked the folks to go back and research it, and they've gone back to then. They can't find an example. And if that happens, it's a whole new world. None of us have lived through a full veto uh, of a budget. So then what? Uh, do lawmakers live with the current spending plan until current law in, in, in the near future? But what happens in October when schools are, aren't getting an increase in AIDS or local governments are saying, hey, we, we just have roads we need to pave, what's going on? The pressure will build at some point. Uh, the question is kind of when and how that play out. In other developments, Governor Evers made national news last week when he ordered Wisconsin National Guard troops to withdraw from the southern border and return home. Former Republican Governor Scott Walker ordered troops to Arizona last June. That was after President Trump sought help in stopping what he said was the, quote, flow of deadly drugs and other contraband, gang members and other criminals, and illegal aliens into this country. Evers' order to pull the troops prompted an Illinois congressman who serves in the Wisconsin National Guard to criticize the governor on Twitter. Now Evers' office and Guard officials are considering whether to discipline the congressman. How do you think this will play out? Well, it's really a, a political issue for both sides. I mean, if you're a Republican and you support Donald Trump, um, you know, the wall is a big deal to you. So border security is, so the Republicans are incensed because they see this as an advocation of that responsibility. But to Democrats looking at going, they don't see an emergency at the, at the southern border. They don't see a reason to have National Guard troops down there committed to that rather than here in Wisconsin. So it really is a political issue on both sides. Um, I don't know if it goes beyond much more than that right now. Um, now we'll see if something else comes of this or if there's something else, you know, some development that makes this like a bad decision. But for now, it just looks like a simple example of the divide between where Democrats and Republicans are on when it comes to the border. Also last week, Wisconsin Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner and Mike Gallagher are among 13 House Republicans who said they support a Democratic effort to block President Trump's national emergency declaration to fund a border wall. The issue is now before the Republican-controlled Senate. Both Sensenbrenner and Gallagher are in pretty solid Republican districts. Could their stance on this issue come back to haunt them? Well, your worry in a, a solid district for either party is a primary challenge more than anything else, and that's one of the questions is, would it be enough to generate somebody who'd want to run against them? And in talking to people so far, I don't think there is a significant chance of that. It's interesting, a different dynamic for Gallagher versus Sensenbrenner. Sensenbrenner, remember, has been in Congress since the late 1970s, so he can make kind of an institutional argument about what he called actually the integrity of government, that the Congress has the powers of the purse and this is not the way to do things. For Gallagher, it's a little different because he's only been there for a full term and then, you know, start of a second one. So he's not quite as well known, but he's got a good profile. He's a very good fundraiser. Um, people don't really see just yet a big risk for them. But, you know, it's always something to keep an eye on because this is the issue for Trump supporters because the one the president really ran on and has made such a big focus as presidency. And finally, Wisconsin Supreme Court candidate Lisa Neubauer, who is backed by Democrats, is drawing criticism from her opponent for attending a climate change march in 2017 protesting President Trump's environmental agenda. Neubauer is running against conservative candidate Brian Hagedorn in the April 2nd election. Hagedorn has faced criticism, too, for anti-gay and anti-abortion positions he's taken in the past. How do you think the criticism of both candidates will resonate with voters? People who follow politics know that both Hagedorn and 
and Neubauer have partisan, um, I don't know, if it's right say say uh, links, but you know that, that they're one's a liberal, one's a conservative. That's just the way it is. But I don't know if this is going to be the defining issue of the race just yet. So something to keep an eye on. But we, we've known this with Supreme Court races for a while. These these people are not completely nonpartisan. They have an ideology and they identify more with one party than the other. So it's not really a shock. But we're kind of used to our, our judges being perceived to be nonpartisan and above some of the stuff. But the reality is that they've long had partisan leaning. So it's not really a surprise to most people. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.